Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming in from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. What a great guest. Uh, first off, Happy New Year. We're starting off right. We got JP from Beach Slaying. Uh, I do my best not to fan out too hard, and but JP is just the nicest fucking dude. Uh, Beach Slaying has a reputation for being incredible musicians and just really sweet, humble, nice people, and JP lives up to it. Uh, we just had such a great chat. Um, Right now, Beach Slang's album is out on Polyvinyl Records. Go buy it, download it legally, and uh, it is called The Things We Do to Find People Who Feel Like Us. Something people might not know about me, I am a sucker for a record with a long name, and I fucking love the name of this record. I have listened to this record at least 10 or 15 times already, back back to back. It's incredible. Everyone go buy it right now. Polyvinylrecords.com. Go to your local music store. Go see them on tour. Uh, if you're out in the UK, as of January 19th, 2016, they are all over Europe. So make sure, if, I know we have a lot of international listeners, so go go listen to them. And the reason I actually found Beach Lang, uh, there's a podcast, it turns out JP and I both listen to a lot, of uh, going off track. And I've heard Stephen and Jonah talk about them so much on that show, I eventually fucking just listened to them, and I fell in love. And... Uh, so if you're a first time listener, you can kind of actually, really fun story, uh, you can hear stories about Beach, JP, I tell him about this too, uh, stories about Beach Lang when, uh, Steven and Jonah were both guests on this show, if you want to go through the back catalog, and if you're a fan of Beach Lang, check out, uh, when Sean Carney of the Scandals is on the show, also, a really great episode for any of you, uh, checking out our back catalog, uh, this, I'm just so happy this came to be. I'm, I'm not going to go through all the accolades that Beach Sling is getting right now. It would it would take too long. But to say that uh, the lead singer of Super Chunk and then um, the lead singer of Super Chunk and NPR both like them equally, it kind of says something. It really feels like they have the Gaslight Anthem trajectory going right now. On top of all the amazing stuff that Beach Sling is going through, JP is a freelance uh, graphic designer amazing, talented graphic designer. Turns out I actually recognized some of his uh, art, his posters from um, shows back in, when I used to go to shows a whole lot. Check out his website at jpflexnercreative.com. In terms of Beachling, they're all over. Just go to beachling.com, everything you need, and all social media sites, they have a really good social media presence. Make sure you follow JP on Twitter, at jpflexner. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, just a quick plug. As always, Let's Chat is a part of the Misfits Podcast Network, and we got new episodes every Monday. Let's get to it. Also, stick around to the end, and you'll hear uh, Beach Lang's song, the Beach Lang song, Ride the Wild Haze, which we I asked JP if we could play a song, and that was what he chose. Great fucking song, obviously. Go buy the album. And also, a quick apology, the sound is a little off on this. Something happened with my Skype recorder, and my voice gets screwed up a little, and I'm sorry. I There's nothing I can do to fix it as much as I tried, and uh, JP sounds great, but the good news is I don't talk a whole lot, so there's a lot of great stuff of JP, so it's definitely worth li- listening to. Again, sorry, and let's get to it. from the beginning. Sure. The only reason, so I'm like, old, I'm, I'm 31, but like older punk kid who completely been out of it for a long time. Okay, I just turned 34. So oh, okay, just... yeah, so you can relate. And um, But from listening to the Going Off Track podcast, Steven sings your good graces so much. Uh, he's a cool dude, man. I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting him uh, once or twice, too, um, when, I, when we play in New York, and I think one other time that I can't remember where I was when I met him. Somewhere backstage, somewhere I think. Crazy, probably. But, but great guy. I think maybe even Chicago would have been, or some, it was something crazy. I think he, it was somewhere un, un uh, geographically uh, obvious, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. He always talked about you on the show, and then uh, he same here. Nice enough, he came on this show too. Um, oh, cool. And then again, talked to you because we both kind of had the same re- revelation. I was like. Um, we both kind of, I feel like the way I found Beach Lang is like when I found Gaslight Anthem, like almost the same trajectory of like older dudes who are just like, just hitting, hitting all the buttons right. And, uh, and then like, cause I know, and then Jonah and Steven always talked about you guys. So I was like, oh, I'm going to finally listen to this band. And then I heard the first two EPs. I was like, 
Oh, man. So either, I didn't know how old you guys were, but so my in my head I was like, you're either like 18-year-olds who are part of the emo revival or like dudes my age who are around back in the day. Yeah, well, we, we, we kind of split the difference a little bit. I think James, our, our front man, the guy who writes everything, uh, of course, former master, member of the band Weston, if you're familiar with them. That blew my mind when I found that out, by the way. I did not yeah. know that. That's so crazy. I, well, I grew up a, a pretty big fan of Weston. See, I'm 34, kind of right in that sweet spot. So they were, they were a band that was current when I was like, you know, in high school and stuff. So, uh, they were, they were older kids, so to speak. And I, I wasn't living in Pennsylvania at the time, but, um, really dug what they were doing and dug a lot of other like lookout records bands, which I thought they kind of fit the bill with a little bit more so than anything else happening on the East Coast. So I kind of latched onto them. And then, uh, through happenstance, got to know James and filled in on drums for Weston once, uh, at back in Riot, Riot Fest. Fest. Is that what I heard? I'm sorry? At Riot Fest? Yeah, yeah, in 2011. That was the first time. Like, I, I, I started playing drums when I was a little kid, but took a hiatus to get freelance design stuff kind of off the ground and running well enough to do more than one thing, kind of juggling lifestyles, I guess. So I kind of stopped playing drums for a while. Um, after college, and then picked him back up the first time to play with Weston at Riot Fest in 2011, which is actually where I met Joel and started X Friends that weekend as well, coincidentally. Damn, so that whole weekend just changed your entire life. Completely, yeah, it was so nuts. I mean, like, talk about jumping in head first, man. It was it was a rush. So, uh, unfortunately, did, Weston didn't continue after that show. It was just sort of a one and done kind of deal. Um, but we did have little chatter in inner band chatter of of shows here and there that would always seem to fall through you know this is while i'm doing x friends and then uh eventually after a few of those i i got together with james at a rehearsal space in philly uh and kind of banged around a little bit and and felt like we had a pretty good chemistry um and then after that knowing that he had really good in my opinion really good songs kind of up his sleeve right at, at the moment i i grabbed him and uh, Ed McNulty, who uh, coincidentally booked ex-friends for a show at his house uh, and was playing in the band Crybaby at the time. Uh, and the three of us kind of got together. I can't remember. I think it was actually at Surreal Sound as well. Same place in, in Philly. Kind of by the hour rehearsal space up this like nightmarish flight of stairs. And uh, and kind of, I guess, beach slang uh, was born, so to speak, in its first form. So that's amazing. Yeah, I, I've been listening to you guys. Um, no, James has been on a bunch of podcasts recently. Um, and sure, actually, man. It, it's been cool because they're not. I, I wasn't going out of my way to listen to them. It was just um, ones I subscribed to already. So I was like, oh shit! Like uh, Matt Pryor's, and then um, watched up email because uh, Tom also was on here because he's just everyone I've been meeting through the podcast is everyone's just so fucking nice. It's really cool to like get connected to this weird world of like become a fan of something and get to talk to the people who make the stuff, it's really fun. Oh, dude, I, I believe me, man, that's like the story of my adulthood, basically. It's been, has been trying to connect with people that um, I'm a fan of and sort of become part of the world, you know? Uh, and I guess that's sort of, you know, and, and to, to, to get back to an earlier point, yeah, Beach Slang is, is varied in age. Ed, Ed and Ruben are both in their 20s, I think like 26, 27. Um, and James is a little older, like 41. So we, we, we all kind of jump a, a generation, so to speak, within that kind of punk scene, which I think kind of rounds us out a little bit in a cool way, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it kind of makes sense, because, like, I, the thing I was noticing, like, you guys were getting a lot of uh, critical acclaim, which, and that stuff's really and amazing and well-deserved, but the thing that was really blowing my mind, it was also, like, the veterans of the music scene that... Un- and stuff that wouldn't even, like, just on Twitter, be like, Buddy from Sense of Spill will just ramble about how amazing you guys are. And for some reason, I get more impressed by the, the veterans of the music scene than, like, Spin. Because it's like, well, you know, when you're in, if you're, when you're in the trenches, music can, it, you know, when you go play at a club every single night, the last thing you want to do is listen to new bands. And so yeah. it kind of blows yeah. my mind sometimes. Sure, sure. Well, I, I, I don't know that, you know, people who are kind of part of a music movement don't really... And our listeners and fans of it don't necessarily, uh, turn to critics all the time for, um, kind of what, what, what we should be listening to next. I remember always looking in like the liner notes yeah. of records that I, I'd get the renew. And you see like, you see the bands whose CD you bought thank like three or four bands you'd never heard of. And, and you'd go find those bands. 
and you'd be like, holy shit, this band, whatever, the so-and-sos, you know, is, is incredible. And you'd start listening to stuff by them. Uh, maybe it was because they did a tour with the band that you bought the record of and never knew had existed before or something. Did you ever do the thing, like, when you would go see a band that you love, and if, like, the bass player or the drummer or whoever had, like, a t-shirt of a band, you would go oh, yeah. that band? That was a big thing for me. Of course. Oh, yeah, that's a big, that's, like, a big legitimizer. Totally, man. I think, uh, I think I have, like, a rubric shirt on in one of our, like, like, band photos or something, and it's definitely, like, by design, you know? Oh, God. I remember watching, like, I want to say it's either AFI or Offspring. I think... Dexter Holland is wearing an AFI shirt in an early Offspring video. Totally. And that's how I found AFI, because of that. I remember just being like, I was like, well, I like this guy, so what what does he listen to? Totally. I mean, well, well, like, I I grew up, like, a huge Green Day fan, and you'd see, like, those guys would always rock, like, some Lookout Records band t-shirt, and, like, immediately I'd run out and find, like, whatever I could by that band. A CD somewhere, a compilation, you know, one of those, like, Hyde Says comps, like, from Lookout or something, and just... You know, start studying like Mr. T experience. Okay, get real into them. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah, yeah, that that was the cool way to get into stuff, man. Certainly not like I, you know, I, I can't say I ever picked up an issue of whatever was hanging out on the shelf at Fye and like was like, oh, I better listen to this band while I'm in the store right now. It just never seemed to happen that way, right? It just wasn't, kind of wasn't the way that that you know, like you you knew better to operate in a different way, maybe. To find I played, like opening bands too, and I remember like getting like jaded, just being like a I don't know, do you, do you ever read uh, The Hard Times? Sure, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can't say I read The Hard Times. I think I read the headlines of The Hard Times, if, if I'm being honest here. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, it's, it's you know, anyone who's listening, it's it's the punk rock version, scene-stir of Onion. And, of Onion, um, yeah. Sometimes it's close to home, because one of them is like, area man thought scene died once they stopped going to shows. I was like, oh my god, that was me when I was my <laughs> Exactly. Oh, that's a good one. Holy shit. I read one, uh, what was it? I, uh, the other day was like a man in front clearly uh, singing gibberish along to lyrics or something like that. I thought it was so awesome. I get people doing that all the time. I love it. Especially hardcore bands, so you don't always know what they're saying. Or things that happen real fast and kind of weren't clear to begin with, and then people are trying to do it live. Sometimes I, I question whether or not some of the singers still know what they're singing into the microphone, let alone the guy in the front, you know, who's drunk or something like that. <laughs> I mean, I've totally done that. I've I, I'm I'm still very good friends, but some friends back in the day I made um, this band called Folly, and sometimes John would like put the mic out in the crowd, and you'd sing along. And there's been more than one instance when he would like put the mouth in front of me, and I was like, "Oh man, Whew, I don't know what to say." So just scream the same tone, and oh, that's so funny. You could tell yeah. the embarrassment. He's like, "Dude, come on, deer in the headlights." Yeah, he just catches you with the microphone, and you're like, "Oh shit." Uh, do I pass the test? Well, yeah, I saw I saw some of that firsthand this weekend when uh, I guess I, I played three uh, shows for Weston, uh, New York, New Jersey, and Philadelphia. And there was a we we did Dinosaur where uh, Chris Brenner from uh, Digger got up and played guitar. He was an original guitar player in Weston, and uh, Dave just kind of did the front man microphone deal and was like leg up on the monitor, you know, like Mike in the crowd's face, and you you. Dinosaurs, you know, like a pretty deep Western cut. <laughs> like it's off the first seven inch, maybe. So you uh, you get to see people kind of like freeze up a little bit if they're not like diehards and don't you know know the song or haven't played it in the last three nights. Which <laughs> is kind of kind of the same same vibe, you know what I mean? It is, and then but then it has the opposite effect when you pull that out, and then you get that real old dude, like the forty five year old guy in the back who has got a sitter that night who runs up and sings their lungs out. Like oh my god. Oh, uh, at the church, at, at the church, we had a one quick story. We had, we had, at, we did an encore, and at the end of it, um, that we wanted to do "Where Eagles Dare," but we called someone from the crowd up to sing it, um, blindly, non-scripted, and uh, a guy got up with all the confidence in the world uh, and delivered maybe a third of the lyrics slower than the uh, tempo of the song. It was, it was rough, man. It was a, the longest misfit song. I feel like. <laughs> I what. Punk rock karaoke. Yeah, oh god, punk rock karaoke. It makes me cringe at the thought of it. I, I can tell you every chorus. I mean, even Beach Lake songs. Like, I, I've listened to your record a ton, but like, if you were to play, and I, I probably know your chorus, and I'd be like, I wonder what James is saying. Yeah, man. I, I, I gotta say, I feel like I know all the words, but that's probably exposure, you know. Even my favorite bands, I'm not sure I know every word to every verse, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, so you guys just finished a tour, and I, I tried to get to your Boston show, but I wasn't able to get up there. I'm like an hour away from Boston, where it's like, in theory it's close, but then, you know, when you have to work and life shit happens. Sure. Are you in Rhode Island? Yeah, yeah, Providence. We're, oh, man, that's not far from where James grew up, man. I think we're trying to get up there. Like, it's definitely on the short list of, of, of areas where we haven't been but really want to go. You know what I mean? Oh, is he from here? Yeah, he's a he's a New Englander originally. He's he's from up that way. Oh no, Rhode Island or Mass? I think Rhode Island. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, here I'm like literally the I'm on, I'm in Providence and like you know two towns over I'm in Massachusetts. Oh, that's cool. We got to have him on the show, man. I'll, I'll point him your direction. You guys talk all about that, man. I don't want to. I'm not trying to paraphrase his uh his early years because I'll, I'll get it wrong. But um, you know, I know I know that that involved. That region, so that's cool. Oh, that's yeah. I'm actually I'm from Connecticut, but I've been living here for like the last five years. But um, okay, you must know Sean from the Scandals. He's from here. Yep, absolutely, man. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, no, no, no. I di- I, I didn't know he was from up that way either. But I, a lot of people make their way down to Jersey and New York and Philadelphia from that from that area. I feel like, especially in recent years, you know, when stuff seems to be popping off here. Oh, it's funny because he's still. I, well, I don't know him very very well. The last time I had talked to him. He still lives up here and then travels down for scandal stuff. Wow, yeah, it's a lot of hiking, man. I mean, we're we're all kind of centrally located around Philly right now, but who's to say what the future holds? Especially if we get to a point where we can kind of exist, you know, wherever we go, essentially as a unit. You know, I mean, who's to say one of us doesn't fly out of some other location someday? California, who knows? But, are you guys all are, are are you born and raised around the Philly area? Are you from elsewhere? No, I, I mean, I I, I grew up. Um, I kind of bounced around. I was born in State College, uh, and then moved to uh, the, the Midwest, moved to Peoria, Illinois, and did middle, did all of grade school and middle school and part of high school there. Uh, and then I moved to Salisbury, Maryland, and finished out high school and went to college uh, at the university there in town. Um, and then after graduating, um, moved up to the Philadelphia area where I've been ever since. I can't imagine leaving, but I mean, you never know. I've, now that I've gotten to some cool places with beach slang, it's pretty. Tempting to set your sights on another part of the country or even another part of the world. So, Absolutely. So much out there. It's just so cool. Always got a really bad rap, but now it seems to be, like, the place to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I My first experiences of it when I, were, when I was in high school coming up for shows and stuff were always really positive. I never really had the bad time in Philadelphia that everyone always talked about. So I, I always would always give it a chance and... Um, I guess my, my, one of my best friends moved up here, a buddy, Rob Leaf, uh, who's, who's an artist, um, moved up this way, um, right after high school. We were best buds and uh, a few other people moved this way. Um, and my now wife and I, Kristen moved up after college. Um, and I, I took a job up here in, in, in design, uh, doing, uh, doing basically like product development and graphic design for a toy company in Ben Salem. So, um, I kind of, yeah, yeah, totally, man. I worked that job for like a year and then left and worked at a agency that did more kind of illustration, packaging, fun stuff, and then bounced from there after a year and have been a freelancer ever since, kind of design pirate, <laughs> if you will. That's such a hard life to make, but that's fucking awesome. Now, are you still working when you're on the road? Yeah, I do. I do bring a laptop. Um, I try to lighten the, the load as much as possible and kind of move projects to the beginning or after tour um phase but but you know inevitably something will come up or or something needs to be done while i'm away and um yeah i bring a laptop and a wacom tablet and you know enough drawing supplies to get by basically and uh and yeah man i'll I'll be the guy at the hotel desk downstairs doing the work if i need to be or or, you know I'll, i'll set up shop in someone's house if we're staying there and uh and get a little something done but i'm typically an early riser on tour so that kind of benefits the uh the workload lifestyle. It's just such an amazing world of technology because, like, to make money as a musician, like, as a career, is very hard. So, a lot. It's cool that you could tour and have a supplementary income. It's what allows me to do so at this point. I mean, you know, we're we're definitely working full time to be a band. James is without question writing and playing full time um, as a musician. Um, but I, I, we're still just not quite at the point where you know any of us are really, I think, living off of it quite yet. Um, you know, we definitely don't come home empty handed from a tour like the, the one we just did, but I would hope not, yeah. or else you're doing something wrong. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'm, you know, just to, to be modest, I suppose. I just, I don't, I just mean that, like, you know, we're not, you know, we're not starving over here, but at the same time, 
Um, you know, I, I, I feel compelled to do the, the design work regardless. But at the same time, you know, it's, you know, I got to keep the lights on when we're away or <laughs> doing other stuff that doesn't, you know, that doesn't always pay. You know, it's, it's not why we're in the, the thing that we're doing. You know, beach slang's never been a thing that was about making a living to begin with. So, um, we're, we're treading lightly in that territory, but treading there nonetheless, I think, hopefully. To be this perception of people who, like, aren't familiar with the way things work. So, like, if you're in a band, people think you're either really poor or you're really rich, and there's no in-between. So, like, if you're in a band that's touring, you're either dirt poor, and if you're on a bus, you're a multimillionaire. But there's a whole, like, middle level. Like, there's middle-class bands. Sure. Yeah, and that's, that's very... Well, without a doubt. And then beyond that, I mean, individuals, you know, it's not hard you know, for one person in the band to have a side project or a side hustle that is music or non-music related. I mean, there's a, a million things you can be doing in and around the music industry, some that involve playing and some that don't, and, you know, some that don't even involve music. But, uh, you know, it's not, it's not uncommon for someone, you know, not no one in this band per se, but but wouldn't be uncommon for someone to be a professional writer or to do professional uh, studio sessions and stuff like that outside of a band that is or isn't successful, you know what I mean? So, you know, you see people who are um, professional musicians in all kind of contexts, not just the one that gets into a van and tours small punk rock clubs every uh, every chance they get, you know what I mean? Yeah, so where did this last tour uh, take you guys to? Did you do the whole country? We did, yeah. We made a lap around just about as fast as you could with four people in a van and still playing shows every night. It was, it was pretty incredible. There were some grueling commutes, uh, you know, from, from A to B, but Overall, it was it was pretty kick-ass routing. We had a really good time, you know, really every night. I, I don't think there were any bad shows, so to speak. And uh, no disasters, uh, with withstanding with one trailer that we left on the side of the road in the desert in Texas without a license plate on it. I don't know if I should... It, I don't know if I should admit that publicly or not. I don't know what kind of fine you can get for that, but... Um, I, I doubt the Texas DOT is going to hear this. Yeah, there you go. I, exactly. I don't think the border guards... The closest beach thing slang fans out there need a trailer. Go to Texas. Yeah, oh, beach slang fans and hotelier fans, because that's who we got it from. They definitely put some miles on that sucker, too. And then we, we picked it up from them right before the tour after Riot Fest and ran that little fucker into the ground until we uh, blew a tire in, in a spectacular fashion and without one to replace it with. So piled all the gear into the cabin with us and rode onto the show. Amazing. How long were you playing in X Friends for? Gosh, uh, I never really kind of added it all up. I would guess about two years, maybe. Let's see, 2011 to, I guess, 2014. So almost three years, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I guess we got about four, seven, four and a half, seven inches and, uh, one full length LP in that amount of time and a handful of other little digital recordings and things. So we were pretty productive, I feel like, over the course of our small lifespan. Uh, were you playing, have you been playing music your whole life, or were you like a later in life guy? Yeah, I mean, I was into art before I was into music, so um, I got into music, I got into rock and roll and kind of like cool music, so to speak, when I was around 12 or 13, and that's around the time I started really playing drums. Um, before then, I was listening to stuff that was like, you know, Top 40, or I got into Green Day and Nirvana probably a little earlier than the rest of it, but um, really started being into music and wanting to play it when I was, I guess, 12, 12 years old, 13 years old, was when I started playing in a band. Oh, that's, damn, so you did it for a while. Yeah, yeah, but I did it up until the end of college, and then when I when I moved to Philadelphia, I, I literally just packed all my, my shit up in cases and didn't break it out until that riot fest, so I, that would have been about five years almost. Um that I didn't even touch it, to be honest with you. I mean, I had a practice pad and a pair of sticks out, you know, and I hit 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 along the music and stuff like that, but never really, never really went for it, never really even practiced, or certainly never played with anybody in that amount of time. Um, just to, you know, because, you know, it was what kind of, it was what I needed to do, essentially, to focus on getting my uh, freelance career to a point where I was able to go play shows on the weekend, or even play on tour, and not have to worry about it, you know what I mean? And all this while married? Yeah, without a doubt. I had an awesome wife. She's so cool. I mean, we, you know, we, we met in high school, so we've been around a long time. Wow, high school? 
Yeah, I met her and got the home turf advantage, man. I met her in art class. Oh man, that's kind of that's so sweet. High school sweethearts. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, we'll post high school. We didn't. We never really hooked up in high school, but we were. We we kind of like got to know each other more after graduation. Uh, while we we both kind of stuck around. Actually, she went went to a neighboring town to college, and I stayed in town. But uh, got to know each other around that period of time, anyway. So, like, um, from what I was listening and, like, from what I read about Beachstein is, like, you guys were all just employed people making music for fun, and then this just incredible opportunity came up, and you guys were all, like, I mean, was it you, or was it James who was in California when the EP was coming out? Yeah, James was. So, I guess, yeah, I mean, what what you heard is essentially correct. I mean, we we all had pursuits elsewhere, you know, musically or professionally or elsewhere, elsewhere you know, personal stuff happening. And, um... James had already moved after we'd done the first seven inch. James had moved to California, uh, to work a new, he got promoted within his job and was working in California. Um, and then quit and moved back essentially, I think after all the stuff started happening with the seven inch, um, kind of popping off a little bit. It's cool. Cause I have a cousin who's like, have you ever heard of Ben Red Fang? Yeah, actually I have. Yeah, for sure. My, um, my cousin, Sarah's husband, um, ex-husband now, but, uh, Aaron, so, like, so the band for him didn't pop up to, like, 38, same kind of thing, and it's, like, opportunity knocks, what do you do? Like, you know, your dream happens, and it's nice, because I always thought, I don't know, when I was younger, I always thought, things don't happen by this age, you're done, but the older I get, I was like, oh, man, fucking life gets crazy as you get older, often for the better. Yeah, man, I mean, look, you never, you never fucking know what's gonna happen, and, you know, we, we'd be fools to, to pass up any opportunity to do the kind of thing that we're getting the chance to do right now. Um, and we're certainly, I don't think any of us could say that we're expecting any of it to be there. We'd be fools to expect any of it. And we don't really trust any of the hype. But, um, you know, look, we're going to be happy to play shows and watch it grow as much as it can while we're able to do it. And that's kind of all you could hope for from any, you know, culturally enriching experience, so to speak. So... You know, we're, we're just kind of realistic about the fact that, you know, music industry is fickle and, and all that, but we're going to shoot for the fucking moon, man. And if we hit it, we'll never stop going if we can do it. You know what I mean? I think, I think we all really love the thing we get to do together. So, uh, hopefully we get to do that for a long time. And, you know, I don't, I don't think any of us are really, uh, expecting any of it to be there tomorrow or anyone to come to the show, but we're, we're all pleasantly surprised when that happens. How do you, um, like, keep in mind, I mean, the industry is such a, it's constantly changing. So you guys are kind of almost an advantage where you've had one foot in the old way, and now you're kind of doing it the new way. So you guys always just kind of just playing it more safe, making smarter decisions than you would have in your past? I think so. I think a lot of that is owed to James and his experience. I mean, he he's definitely paid his dues and cut his teeth as much as anyone could have and to still be willing to do it again. And, um, and he's, you know, I think, you know, to, to say it bluntly, he's probably made a lot of mistakes and he's been in a band that's made mistakes. I've certainly been in a band, bands, multiple bands that have made mistakes in the past and learned from. And, uh, you know, hopefully we kind of apply those lessons to the thing we're doing now. And if we have a clear enough vision of where we want to be and who we want to be, um, it's pretty easy not to let yourself get in the way of that, especially when you have experience doing that before in mass. So, um, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. Maybe we're just a little sharper with that experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, being a band is, uh, uh, being a band, making music and being a band are almost two different skill sets. Cause like there's the creative aspect then you have to make, like to make it financially viable. Like the, it, it's a skill set. Like it absolutely is. Like even like, um, a band like the descendants, I believe, I, I think it's the descendants I was reading, but like, they signed to a major, I think I'm getting this all correct, signed to a major and took all that money and bought a house in Missouri and converted it to a studio. And, like, when I, I think it was, I was like, oh, man, that's, that's really fucking smart. Like, yeah, yeah, man, there's, there's, there's other bands, like, we, we went on that tour with Cursive, um, we did a U.S. tour with Cursive, uh, earlier in February, and I think it was in February, and, man, it's all, it's all flown by so fast. And, like, those are guys who, bought a bar together in Omaha, Nebraska, where they're from. Um, and two of them live there and run it essentially. And, uh, one of them is a investor and lives elsewhere, but helps run it from afar. And, um, it seems to work for, for them, man. It's, it's a cool, it's a cool idea, especially if you're a band that's going to be out on the road a lot. 
um, to have a joint source of income back home is, is probably a pretty smart move. You can pull it off like the descendants did with their suburban home record label recording studio or, or, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's other examples that I don't know about that maybe people can describe in. Get all by chance. I'm sorry? Do you ever listen to going off track? Cause that's what I hear a lot. Oh. Man, that, so many hours spent listening to that podcast in the van. So many hours spent, like, we're, I mean, we, we listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of music too in the van, but definitely a lot of podcasts, and that's, that certainly is one of them. Yeah, if you're traveling too, like, you can put on, like, a, you're like, if you ever listen to, like, the, I don't know, like, you made a weird few columns, that's like two, three hours, and that's like, it's just, it just flies right by. Oh, I love, I love, yeah, his show's great too, man. They get, he gets real personal and, like, into some like pretty crazy territories of, of, of discussion with people who are typically really funny, but you know, they get dark pretty quick. I mean, you know, obviously like, you know, the, the WCF podcast is kind of in that vein. I would say Pete Holmes is kind of, you know, taking cues from Mark Marin a lot. I would openly admit that certainly during the first few episodes. And of course, like North Nerdist and, uh, um, Comedy Bang Bang. I'm, I'm, I'm way into those and Bullseye with Jesse Thorne, who just did a show in Philadelphia that I missed. On my birthday, while we were on tour, we were playing in Chicago. My wife was sending me photo messages from the uh, from the, uh, the the live taping of the podcast happening at Johnny Brenda's that I was missing. I, it's kind of nice to see um, like the scene. I'm, I forgot who is it, but like um, the Wash Up Email podcast. They just joined a new network that just came out. I think it's like Jabberjaw or something like that. Okay, it's like it's a podcast good. network of like music podcasts and. I always hear, like, Epitaph is sponsoring Wash Up Email and going off track, and it's so smart and so nice to see, like, the type of music and labels jumping onto this brand new technology that's been around 10 years that is just taking over. Yeah, I think I think the, the appeal and the, the fan, the listenership, certainly, of, of podcasts is growing as, as other forms of, of likewise media seem to be dying off a little bit. You know, less and less radio stations with, with strong listeners, whereas, um, you know, there's certainly podcasts that get like tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of downloads every week. So it's pretty crazy to think of, you know, I mean, obviously like advertisers and sponsors are going to go to where the, the ears are. Right. So, so there you go. I, when I read when Obama had, Obama, when Mark Barron had Obama on, it had almost a million downloads in three days. Oh, it, it was incredible. Yeah. We listened actually on, on this last tour, we listened to that episode and we listened to the one that, um, that, that was kind of the, post Obama where like they, they kind of did the, the wrap up and explained like the process of getting him as a guest and like how that whole came, thing came about. And then like the, the sort of like interpersonal stuff that was happening kind of in the neighborhood and like between the two, the producer and the, and the host Mark. So that was, that was also like a really cool listen, but yeah, man, I, I, I can imagine that, you know, that, that, that advertiser spot, you know, stamps.com that day was really happy to be <laughs> the host. You know what I mean? The host or the uh, to the host's uh, sponsor that day or whatever. Yeah, so. I mean, hey, I mean, podcast is why I do Dollar Dollar Shave Club. It's why I bought Mark Barron's book. Like, I've gone to see movies. Like, I'm totally ingrained in the culture of it. Like, at, they work on me because, like, I totally like listen to an episode of Nerdist and be like, yeah, I'll see that movie now. That sounds really good. Oh, me too. It's it's without a doubt it works on me. I mean, I I I'm skeptical of it and I mock it, but at the same time, yeah, Dollar Shave Club. I'm already a member. You know. Same, uh, I gotta, I'm redoing my, my portfolio website, I think on Squarespace probably, <laughs> which is no doubt been planted in my mind by listening repetitively to Nerdist and other podcasts a hundred times over. Get your, pro- get your promo code, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's such a great medium. I mean, I mean, I saw even your band, um, James was on NPR Tiny Desk, which that's, I watched that on my Apple TV. And it was, oh yeah. It's a podcast, but it's just like, holy shit. Oh, that was incredible. Yeah, that was a surreal, certainly a surreal moment. That's one where, you know, it's a bucket list thing where, you know, we've all been, you know, listening for years to that, essentially watching that for years because it, it's always been a, a visual thing um, since NPR Music's website's been around anyway. Um, so, yeah, pretty, pretty crazy. That was a cool experience. I was I was standing, you know, 10 feet away from James when that was being recorded watching him play. Um, he looked very nervous. Is that? We were all, yeah. I think we were all sweating. He was, he was very nervous. Well, I, I don't think he realized, I don't think any of us realized, like we got there and set up or whatever and it was really cool. And then all of a sudden, like 30 or 50 people or so kind of filed in and sort of crowded around. 
So it became this sort of live performance that we weren't anticipating. Um, that James was sort of, you know, the, at the center of certainly with like really nice microphones and headphones hanging around. So, you know, and of course you're in front of the, the infamous all things considered wall of Bob Boyland ephemera. So, I mean, man, <laughs> I, I can imagine nervous doesn't even begin to cover the thing that James was feeling that day, but I was, I was just 10 feet away, probably biting my nails. Um, Try not to cry at certain points, maybe. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, you're in such a, your band is in this weird spot where, like, NPR likes you, and Cursive, and you toured with Cursive, and you toured with Knapsack. Knapsack. Like, Knapsack oh, yeah. and NPR are like, if there's a Venn diagram, Beach Slang's in the middle, and there's very few people who know who both are. Yeah, no, it, it's very true, man. We're, we're definitely a, a band that's with some cool fans and some cool uh, supporters. Like my parents like would know who you are because of NPR, but they wouldn't know who you are from like a Rolling, Rolling Stone or Spin, yeah, D or Pitchfork. But like if and if you were on like a Fresh Air episode, which I'm sure maybe in your future at some point, like you know that's that's if you get that weird, it's just strange. It's new, it's oh, awesome. without a doubt, man. I mean, there's definitely like a subset of friends and acquaintances who have um, reached out to me. Through the course of beach slang, when we do get to those those sort of platforms, those that kind of NPR or like Entertainment Weekly kind of mainstream uh, media exposure, essentially, um, and you'll hear I'll hear from you know the the former teacher or the uh, you know the acquaintance who maybe isn't connected to the punk rock scene at all, and is like, oh, I came across this thing about your band the other day, cool, you know. So it's sort of you know those those are one of those are the, kind of those moments that you sort of realize that like. The thing you started, um, even though you exist within this music scene that we do, um, is, is maybe grown a little bigger than that as far as its uh, appeal goes, maybe. I remember like, watching YouTube videos of like uh, Bruce perform- Springsteen performing, performing with like, Yes, I Am, and you're like, wow, this thing has gone full circle. Oh, I remember when that happened too, man. I was, I definitely like, really liked Gaslight Anthem, and still do, um, but, but, but speaking to that time period, was like very into them at the time. And like, remember when that happened and being like, holy shit, I can't believe that just occurred. This is the same band that I drove like two and a half hours after work one day to Wilkes-Barre to see, like in some like shitty little dive bar during like sink or swim. And like now they're playing to God knows how many thousands of people with Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> you know? He's singing their song. And it's their song. Right. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Totally fucking crazy, man. Like, he learned their song. It wasn't the other way around. Yeah, he knows their song. I mean, it's not like Bruce is like, come learn my song. I'd fucking do it. But he's like, fucking, I love your song. He's like, oh, my God. Yeah. No, it's crazy, man. If you like, let's do a medley, man. We'll go right into Born to Run. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do whatever you want. Whatever you want. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, and you, have you guys, you must have played Gaslight by now. No. I mean, I think we've been on festivals together. I think one, we did Skate and Surf. We did the same skate and surf, and I've, I've definitely run into those guys, but independent of um, of of playing together, we de- we've never like played with Gaslight specifically. I mean, I'd love to. I, I, I like I said, I absolutely love that band. I think they're on hiatus right now. I'm sorry. They're on hiatus at the moment. They are. Yeah, yeah. The last I heard, they're they're kind of uh, taking a break for a little while, which I you know I can understand, man. I mean, they they've been burning the candle at both ends essentially since. Sink or Swim popped off, and 59 Sound happened. So, um, you know, like take a break. Yeah, of course. You know, I, I don't, I don't expect anything. Nothing lasts forever. Certainly, nothing worth really liking lasts forever. And um, you know, Rolling Stones withstanding. You know, we don't seem to have those those bands that sort of stick around forever anymore. Yeah. I, I'd rather Gaslight Anthem, you know, take a break and go grow as individuals and come back and make a kick-ass record someday then burn the fuck out and not give us anything good. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I never hesitate to uh, to give people room, you know, in that respect, especially creatively, right? Like, who, who the fuck am I to make <laughs> make a judgment call on, on that band? You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm excited to see where Brian's going to go next as a songwriter because I really like their music. But I know he's been, I've been following him online because I'm just, you know, such a huge fan of them for years. He's doing, like, he's doing something in Nashville. It's like, he's, he's a good songwriter. I mean, I, I could see, like, uh, you guys, should, if you have the opportunity, you should take him, you guys should take him out to tour. Come be your opener. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly open to any level or, um, 
amount of collaboration or uh, companionship from that guy, man. I mean, I, I know for a fact that he's working on a solo record because I know a couple people who are involved in it in one way or another. Um, and I've talked to them over the last couple months um, just randomly about it. So that's definitely something that's happening. And I'm sure he's going to tour in support of it. Um, and I know him and James maybe have corresponded at some point. So I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, if James and him did some shows together at some point, maybe like solo vibe kind of stuff. You know what I mean? That would be a um, good show. Yeah, because they do a lot of those. Uh, uh, like, who is it? Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm blanking on his name. The singer of Hot Water Music who does the revival tour. Oh, sure. Uh, Chuck Reagan. Yeah, Chucky. Chucky. I don't know him. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, this is the problem with podcasts. You listen to, like, people so often you feel like you know them even though you never met them. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you do know him. You just know him in a different context. You don't know him personally. You just know him through uh, the entertainment he provides. You know what I mean? I listen to Chuck Reagan and, like, so often that I feel like I'm like, oh, yeah, Ch- Chucky. But, like, yeah, they do the him and then they have those guys who come out and do, like, the solo tour, the tour. When that came to That's Providence, I'm like, oh my god, it's fucking incredible. It's just, it's the best. Yeah, man. I, I've definitely seen a couple of those. They've always been really good. A buddy of mine, Brian McGee, played a few of those. Uh, and they were, they were exceptional. So that was cool. That's incredible. Uh, I was actually checking out your design work, too, and you're a very talented graphic designer, which I'm sure not everyone knew as well. Um, how, how long have you been doing that for? Um, longer than I've been playing music, I guess. I, I got in, I got into art before I got into music and started playing drums. So, I mean, you know, the earliest memories of stuff when I was like a kid were going to hang out with friends and like spending like a lot of time drawing and reading comics and playing video games and being into that kind of stuff. Um, and then sort of, I, I never sort of gave it any of it. I always sort of pursued it. That's what I went to college for was design. Um, and I, Almost immediately, I guess about a little shy of two years after graduating, decided to be just a freelancer. And it's great, man. I love it. I have the, the top of my house is, is essentially a little design studio with desks and computers and monitors and stuff. And I, uh, I, I screen print posters and do that kind of stuff in my basement. Um, and it's, it's awesome, man. It's, it allows me to, uh, you know, live the sort of rock and roll touring musician lifestyle without having to fully make a living off it. But also um, I get to sort of be picky about who I work with and what I do on some level. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to work for people. I don't uh, respect if that makes sense. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I work in an office. Well, I mean, I work for a behavioral health company, so it's not very standard what people think of an office. So, but yeah, I'm like, I, I need to have some different, like kind of like how you are. It, you did a lot of punk rock posters too, because I was looking through, and I, it was funny because I recognized um, some of your man the posters you did for Man Man. I had no idea you did them. I was just oh cool. And you was like, oh, I remember seeing those that tour. Oh, that's amazing, man. Yeah, no, I, I've definitely, I definitely kind of got into like I, I, I sort of went through little phases, kind of with art and my my relationship with it throughout growing up. But one that was and and, and is sort of a constant is gig posters, and I sort of I got into. I think the first paid gig I ever did as a freelancer was actually for the auto bar when I was living in Maryland. I was in high school. And I remember taking a bunch of like flyers that I'd done for shows that I was throwing back in Salisbury. And I took them up to the door guy. Um, and I asked him if I could talk to somebody about doing auto bar posters. Um, and, and he was, thank God, like one of the nicest guys and was like, actually, yeah, took me upstairs where the bar was closed at the time. And a show wasn't happening and actually introduced me to the owner. I guess the, at, at the time, the, the guy who was running the show there. Um, and, and that guy sat down with me and literally just pulled the schedule out and said, pick what, anything you want off of it, you know, and, and, and offered to pay me to make posters on the spot, essentially. Um, and then went and had a great show. So that was a, a kind of life changing experience there. Um, and that, and that sort of, I think, defined my outlook on doing work and in the sense that like I always I've always kept a spot open for posters and doing flyers for shows and I've I've kind of gotten to know some of the artists in that community throughout message boards and kind of conventions and just going to shows and th- those guys being involved um to the extent that actually Drew Millard of in the UK is 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 now making tour posters for Beach Slang for our tour that's coming up next year there um and that's somebody who I met um years ago um, just online, having that poster world kind of as a commonality. 
I love when worlds collided, man. That's so fucking awesome. Yeah, man. And we just had uh, we had Craig Quirky made us a poster for our, uh, our our show in Lansing, Michigan. He's another guy who I know through that world prior to being in bands, or certainly prior to Beach Slang being around. So it's just it's crazy, man. It's all you know. It seems like the further down the path we go as lifers, man, the less of us there are, but the cooler the cooler it is when you see someone else kind of in the wild. You know what I mean? Uh, would you how would you guys do you guys have to do uh like those morning radio style interviews yet where you get those stupid questions like oh beachling are you guys from California and you're just like no uh well I'm I'm sure James uh, J- James does a lot more of it than I do um than any of us do in the band but uh we we try to steer clear of that kind of stuff and and so far I think have have been lucky but but I I've definitely heard him have to do some of those kind of like radio spot kind of promo things with weird names and um probably some of that some of the there's definitely been some bad questions man let's put it that way not not every conversation is as good as the one we're having and certainly not every uh not every opportunity to talk to somebody um is as relaxed you know I, you you caught me at home hanging out in the studio doing work um whereas sometimes I know James is doing multiple interviews in in the back of a noisy van that's like driving 80 miles an hour down the highway on the way to a show or something or out back of a show, like you know, you, you heard that one podcast where we were we were literally like sitting in the green room with uh, warriors playing a show, you know, fifteen feet through a, a thin wall away from us. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, man, knock on wood. So far, we've we've been lucky. I think. I think, you know, our our band has kind of existed in in, in a cool place. Um, and uh, it's a place where you guys could be because it's it's a newish thing and. People younger in our age listen to that. You know, you're not going after like people who are into traditional media, so it's, it's right. a great place. Yeah, to out. yeah, we're insulated from that world a little bit. I mean, our 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 appeal probably doesn't extend to like too many of those kind of shock jock guys. You know, maybe some of them come from the punk world and, and might dig our band, but most of them don't want to hear what we have to say. Thankfully, because we're not looking, you know, to be on their show, so to speak. Who knows, man? I, I shouldn't say that, but. Um, you know, I'll give anyone a chance, but at the same time, um, you know, wh- whatever, man, we, we all know the world we're from, um, and a lot of punk and grunge and all that cool shit happened as a reaction against kind of hair metal and all that bullshit that kind of was everywhere. And I think, you know, some of, some of that form of media is a vestige of that bygone era a little bit, you know? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure, but, um, Jonah from Going Up Trap, uh, was also a guest on here too. Um, both of those dudes were super nice to come on. But uh, did you guys record at River Track? We did, yeah. We did a Psychedelic Furs cover. We did Love My Way there, um, which was awesome, man. It was really cool. And I got to see, as a fan of, of Going Off Track, I got to see where the podcast was taped. And, and I met Jonah uh, and Greg that day. I did not meet Steven that afternoon. But um, that was really cool, man. It was a behind-the-scenes peek for, for someone who had already been a listener like myself. Um, and we did do the uh, the Rubber Tracks. That was really fun as well, man. So, uh, Jonah actually told that story about you on the show before, just to blow your mind a little. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> so great. Well, what, what, uh, good story, bad story, what are you, what are you, things? I think we were talking and, I don't know, I don't, you know, I'm sure you'd say what, I don't know what we were saying, but I think he mentioned that the Beach Thing guys recorded here and, like, we're like, I think I was asking if anyone's ever recognized him from the podcast alone. And I think, there you go, yeah, that makes sense. I think he, I remember him mentioning that it was one of the first experiences where a band had come in to record and, had already known about the show and been listeners of it, I guess. I think that's what it was. Are you guys, have you guys been on that show yet? No, I know we have a an invitation to. Um, I just don't think we've ever made it happen yet. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure it's gonna happen, man. I know, I, I, I would love, I'd be on it every week, man. I love that show. Those guys are. You guys so much. It's so funny. And oh uh, yeah, we we're two shits in the night so far, man. But we'll connect. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 cool because I say I'm such a fan of that show. And then, because of the beautiful world of Twitter, I just asked them on. Or no, I had Tom Mullen on from Wash the Bemo, and then somehow I was talking to him and Steven on Twitter. I was like, "Hey, would you ever want to come on?" He's like, "Yeah." And I, I like froze. He's like, "Uh, I don't know you, but I listen to you once a week for an hour." Yeah, there you go, man. It's, well, that's the thing. It's like back to the, what you were talking about. You feel like you know these people. I mean, it's like that with bands, certainly. You know, there's, you know, like I, I feel like I've listened to so many hours of like Green Day and Jawbreaker that I know Billy Joe and Blake and. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, what? I I don't, but you know, I I I I feel like I almost watched those people grow up in a way um, that was really personal. You know, they those are 
songwriters who wear a lot on their sleeve and it's like you, when you're someone like like we are who really live that music um to a larger extent you know and, and like you you listen to media you listen to podcasts you know like regularly every week or multiple times a week you know it's like we get to know it's like you feel like you know john stewart on the daily show it's like this cool uncle that knows like everything you want to ask questions to it's like uh you know we've never met the guy but i've spent hours and hours watching him talk giving me information you know what i mean i lost my i lost my train of thought sorry <laughs> um yeah but i i look forward to when you guys are going on track up tracks it's such a such a fun show. I I just I just really love that show. I can't ever express it. I just just love. I just podcasts are great. Like I wake up every morning and I just refresh my feed and like, all right, what am I listening to this morning? Is it driving to work? And it just it gets the day going. Oh, totally, man. Yeah, no, we I I, I gosh, it's, it's so many podcasts all day long. I mean, I, I spend most of my day alone, you know, with my cats around, hanging out. And when I'm not listening to records and <clears throat> that kind of stuff, it's definitely podcasts, man. So. <laughs> Excuse me. Like a, a working normal hours kind of person. Um, she's actually also a uh, a freelancer. She does freelance landscaping and gardening and stuff like that. Um, she has a few clients in this in the Bucks County, Philadelphia area that she kind of works with full time. Goes to their properties and maintains them and does cool veggie beds and kind of year round cleanup and and that this and that and kind of, you know, lives the same lifestyle, probably works more hours throughout the course of the week just by nature of having to go to locations to do stuff. But, uh, yeah, yeah, man, she's, she definitely is a professional, man. Um, but not in the traditional sense. Yeah, what was the old saying, uh, happy, happy wife, happy life? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. You, you hope so. Right. I mean, she's been very supportive, man. She's definitely helped me, um, go after stuff. You know, sometimes I don't always have the, the, uh, I don't know, like sometimes I'm nervous to do stuff, you know, it, it's, it's daunting when you hear the, the length of a tour or the span of something or the distance of something. Um, she's always been encouraging. So that's, it's hard to find. And, uh, it's really nice to have, man. And so, um, you guys are off to Europe, uh, next month in January, next year. Yeah. Jan mid January to mid February. We're there for a full month. We're doing the UK and parts of Europe, Germany. It's going to be incredible. We absolutely love it there. Who are you guys going on tour with? Um, well, that's actually a conversation that's happening right now <laughs> as we speak. So, um, yet to be determined, but, um, I'm sure we'll be announced very soon. I'm trying to figure out. To jump on that tour, that's okay. I'm sorry? If Green Day wants to jump on the tour, you guys will out? I'm sure we'd make room for Green Day, man. You never know. I, you know, while, an anecdotally, while we were out on this last tour, um, their, their manager contacted our people to get our record. From us, so who who knows, man? Your head explode a little bit, cause that's oh, a, a lot. Actually, we met Billy Joe on the on the U.S. tour that we did with uh, Cursive. We played. Um, here, this is gonna sound real name droppy, but a friend of ours basically booked us a show at One Two Three Four Go Records, and he was hanging around the back while we were playing. And then apparently, um, uh, owns a owns a business nearby. I'll just say that, and uh, was popping in and out during the show, and then. Um, we saw him kind of walk into his car, um, while we were loading out, uh, and he, and he came over as he was, as he was leaving and asked us, you know, who we were and said hello and introduced himself. It was very nice. Uh, and Ed quickly thinking ran over to the van and grabbed both seven inches, uh, and, and gave them to Billy Joe. Um, and I remember him looking at the first one and saying, Oh yeah, I recognize this. And that completely blowing my mind. I literally had the kerplunk flower lapel pin on my, my button up, <laughs> like covering it up with my hand when I was looking at the guy. So it was a uh, surreal man. I, like I said, I really like that band a lot of definitely favorite band growing up, you know, that's, that's such a, that's, a, that's so beautiful. That's a, uh, that's amazing, man. Um, yeah. well, thank you so much for doing this. Where could people find you online? Like a uh, bit band in your business, like plug yourself. Oh, okay, plug myself. Well, okay, well, Beach Slang is just beachslang.com. Um, you know, James Helms, the, the Twitter and the, the Facebook, uh, in large part. So you can always connect with him or us through that, uh, medium, any of those. Um, Instagram, I'm at JP Flexner. Um, and you can find me on Facebook or Twitter at JP Flexner. And, uh, I do have a website, but like we spoke about earlier, now that the, the podcasts have sunk into my, my head, I've got, I've got a, I've got a website that I'm going to work on, but it's just, uh, I think it's just jpflexnercreative.com is still the old one. 
Um, but I'll probably launch a new one that has some tour dates on it and some old posters and some other stuff too in the near future. Oh, excellent, man. And if, if you don't mind, I can throw, I'll tag on a beach lane song if that's right with you guys. Yeah, man. Knock yourself out. I mean, do you want to pick? Do you want me to pick? Yeah, what do you prefer, man? Well, I'm going to go with, uh, one off the new record just because I like playing it a great deal. Um, let's do Ride the Wild Haze. How do you say that? What'd you say? R- Ride the Wild Haze. It's the fourth song off the, the new full length. Absolutely. I... Awesome. Chris, man, very cool talking to you. Thank you for, uh, for giving me the time, man. This has been a good experience. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you so much. I, it was, um, I was so excited when you said yes. And, like, uh, yeah, you were so funny, too. Like, you're like, are you sure you want me? I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, man. I, look, no one ever wants to talk to the drummer. I, I'm, I'm here to play a supporting role. You know, I just want, I want the, the song to sound on tempo and drive, man. And James is the wordsmith. So typically people will, you know, will speak to him, but I'll, I'll send him your way, man. He's a, he's a great conversation, too, man. You guys would definitely hit it off. I, 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 um, I always say that I'm the kind of person, like, I buy DVDs because I like to watch the behind the scenes stuff more than the actual movie. So that's why I was like, oh, the tremor. I love having the guy next to the guy on more than the guy sometimes. Oh, right on, man. Well, it's sweet of you to have me, man. This was a good experience. Thanks again. Yeah, it was so great. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'll probably get this up in a couple weeks. I'll let you know. And then, um, yeah, obviously, James, more than well, any of you guys. Anytime, welcome on, anytime. So. Oh, dude, I, I will definitely send him your way, and, and definitely keep an eye out, man. We're, we're going to try to get up to Rhode Island before too long. Absolutely. I'm, I don't really know anyone up here, but if I ever did... Well, I'll say, before I go, we are planning a full U.S. tour this spring, so I'm sure we'll make Rhode Island or some part of that New England corridor a part of it. Good venues. Um, besides, like, the venue venues, we have the Columbus Theater and AS220, which you guys do perfect for. Nice, man. Well, like, like book, book us, man. We'll come. Have us in your house, dude. Move the couch out of the way and lock the cat in the room upstairs, and we'll play there, too. White cooks, you guys are more than welcome. Hey, we're vegetarians and, and, and one vegan, man. So just leave the meat out. We'll show up for dinner. We have vegan bakeries and restaurants that I fucking love, and I'm not a vegan or vegetarian, but man. Oh, my. Bring it on, man. Please. God, if you can give me some pad thai with tofu, and I'm a happy motherfucker. Oh, uh, you're speaking the slang language now, man. Let's do it. <laughs> We just want food, warm food in our bellies after we play. Let's make it happen. Yeah, awesome. Man. Cool. Have a good rest of your evening. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks so much, Chris. You do the same, man. Take care.